everybody to the cult classic podcast welcome back everybody uh, welcome back everybody are we all are we doing that yeah yeah i, know, okay. I, know. I, wa- um, I want to be included in it yeah, me too i'm your host co-host jordan jones he did it again i'm the main host cameron jones and i'm oh. the the lights and sounds mark <laughs> nussel you would not you can't tell it because it's pretty it's an audio podcast but, but it is completely it is, pitch black in it here. is he, well lit i can't <laughs> see three feet in front of me mark turned all the lights off per normal what are we doing this week? Uh, we are also getting weird with it. Uh, we are doing the 1998 film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That's not good. I prepared for Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Oh, geez. oh shit. Here we go. I'm to go to Las Vegas at once. Make contact with a Portuguese photographer named Lacerda. As your attorney, I advise you to rent a very fast car with no top. Mm-hmm. And you'll need the cocaine. What kind of story is this? I'm in 400. It's the richest off-road race for motorcycles and dune buggies in the history of organized sport. The race was definitely underway. I had witnessed the start, and we're sure of that much. Are you ready for that? Checking into a Vegas hotel under a phony name with intent to commit capital fraud and a head full of acid? I sure hope so. Strange memories on this nervous night in Las Vegas. Has it been five years? Six? It seems like a lifetime. The kind of peak that never comes again. Lucy paints portraits of Barbara Streitz. A bless. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. The wave finally broke and rolled back. Okay, so that is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Jordan, can you give us a quick elevator pitch on that? This is the film adaptation of Hunter S. Thompson's book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, It's pretty much a writer just going on a drug binge in Las Vegas, and that's the movie. Uh, Question, is it a cult classic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, this is like kind of went on verified on the list. The director even has a quote saying he was going out to make like the most beloved and the most hated movie. So I feel like going for such a split audience is something that makes a cult classic. So I feel like you definitely ended up with a very beloved and just an indifferent movie. I don't know if you hate it. Yeah, I don't think you hate it. I think like, people are just like, yeah, it happened. Like, I mean, I think for me, like, there's aspects and lines that I think are really funny and I like about it, but it does go on a bit long. I would say the aspects that make this, it's very counterculture-esque. It's a drug-infused. It has themes of counterculture, and it's got um, pretty wacky performances and scenes depicting Pretty over-the-top character actors going mm-hmm. for it. I think like any movie that's disguised as just like a drug movie, it has deeper meanings, and that leads into some aspects of the cult classic. But to pretend that these wacky, tripped-out scenes don't, you know... 
Like, yeah, they have deeper meanings, but on the surface level, these guys are fucking whacked out on drugs. That is something that definitely helps, like, go into a cult classic, though, if you can kind of look into a, a film and kind of find project your own kind of stuff onto and create your own lore as, like, a group together. So that definitely has some of this. Yeah. I mean, built into it, so. Well, so the weird thing I think about, the like, about this movie, um, Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, sorry to scare you on that. No, it's fine. Paul S. Tompkins is not him either. <laughs> <laughs> it's just anybody with a three. I mean, whether it be. But I mean, Johnny Depp is basically playing. Yeah. HST. Yeah. So um, if, Ooh, if like we want to go HST, into. Then. I'm doing HST for a little bit. For HST, he um, famously invented gonzo journalism. That's that's kind of what I was getting into. Yeah. So with, with his novels, they're autobiographical in nature. But I also think that it's general knowledge that he embellishes his story. So he he pretty much like came up with that gonzo journalism then, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, one might say that, you know, he's a drug addict and like to live hard and could write down some okay prose here and there. He's like, no, it's just it's from my point of view and this is it. I, I think part of the, I mean, you can't talk about with him and some writers like this, like Kerouac or Hemingway, like part of their allure is that they live so hard. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I still think the writing's good, but I do no, the, think it's I, somewhat gl- glorified in just the source material and what they're writing about. Exactly. I mean, they couldn't they couldn't be like this well-known or discussed if the writing was poor, but I think it's half that the writing's good, and then it's like, if not... Yeah, subject matter. I mean, it's still like a, a huge part of it, which is good yeah. subject matter. The book, um, or the movie was adapted from like two stories that were published first in Rolling Stone. Fear and Loathing of Las Vegas, and they like melded the two stories together. So it's like, I think they're short stories rather than like a book. Okay. Uh, should we break down the cast and crew? We've already talked about the director a little bit. No, we didn't talk about him at all. Never mind. I missed Ter- Terry Gilliam. Let's just get that. The director is Terry Gilliam. He started off as an illustrator, and then he eventually worked his way to illustrating for the Monty Python. He's born in Minneapolis. He moved to, but I think one of his parents is um, He's British. He's a cake eater. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think he was. He's born a cake in, eater. Well, not in the upper echelon of Minneapolis. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was workman. I don't. I. I, I can't confirm or deny. Terry, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm sorry. I think you know you're a cake eater. Um, no. So like, he was an illustrator, and somehow he got hooked up with the Monty Python crew to illustrate their shorts, and then eventually they liked him, and then he became a writer and actor in. The Monty Python crew. It's a pretty cool connection. And I, I did see, I didn't like write them down, but someone verifies that he did have like a lot of knots and winks to Monty Python, like in his, it's just like in the background kind of stuff. All right. He directed Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Yeah. That, the like, meaning of life. That's a, those are big Monty Python movies. That's like the biggest Monty Python. Movie. So he had that. He was part of the Monty Python crew. And then like through the eighties, he directed a couple other ones. But then in the nineties, he had well, like a resurgence as like a more mainstream Hollywood director. So he did the Fisher King, 1991, 12 monkeys, 1995. And he followed up those two big hits with this, just irreverent <laughs> movie. Interesting movie. Yeah. But most notably, Cameron, this is for you. Uh, you want to talk about expectation management? Sure. Directed 2005, The Brothers Grimm. Ooh. Ooh. That's already come up a few times on this podcast, but geez, was Jordan excited for that movie? That movie boy, looks like it's going to be whimsical and good, and then it just it just ended up Good not. cast. Fine it's about, cast. It's about Billy Goats. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's supposed to be like fairy tales brought to life, like the Grimm's fairy tales. And these are the two brothers that wrote it. And it just looks Starring awesome. Heath Ledger and Matt Damon. Actually, to bring it back, uh, Benicio Del Toro's in this movie. And you want to talk about a movie I got amped up for, too? Wolfman. Oh, Ooh. yeah. I got pretty excited for that, that too. Though. The, good previews. <laughs> Great preview. Seems like you really like that. And then he, uh, he also uh, directed The Imaginarium of Dr. Panarsis, which was Heath Ledger's, Heath Ledger's last, film. last movie. And got Johnny Depp to act. You know, Johnny Depp did it, Jude Law, and Colin Farrell. I think so. After he passed, they filled in the rest of the movie with him. Having that said, like, he does some like irreverent, weird movies. But then good ones in there, too. Big mm-hmm. hits. All, All right. right, let's go into the cast and crew. Cast and crew. All right, it's really, I mean, it's really a cast of two with a bunch of pretty much, yeah, yeah. Recasting was pretty questionable for some of the people I chose in the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you have Johnny Depp um, as Duke. Which is a fictionalized version of Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, Benicio Del Toro, Dr. Gonzo, his attorney. Who's a fictionalized version of Hunter S. Thompson's attorney. Oscar Zeta Acosta. Yep. That's the real attorney. Then then you meet Toby Maguire. Uh, he's the <laughs> random hitchhiker. I, l- I like his cameo, man. I, I like it. I had to like double. I was like. Okay, is that is that Tobey Maguire? <laughs> that wig is, is that just Spider Man. It's an off putting wig. It's the whole hair. Everything uh-huh. about him's off putting. Um, Tobey Maguire though, it's it's before he broke into stardom. Yeah, you see, he looks like mainstream stardom. I mean, it's it's probably right before Pleasantville came out or around the same time. But he wasn't like a household name until Spider Man, I would say. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know Pleasantville. Pleasantville was, or that's this, pretty big. Yeah. He could have been a Donnie Darko. God, those creepy eyes. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. I could also see Elijah Wood there. I can see obviously Elijah Wood in this role. I should have maybe saved that because that's totally just that's my everybody's recasting. recasting Cameron. I almost wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> Me either, but then I just did. Well, you want Daniel Radcliffe too? So you've oh, that got, works. Then we've got uh, Christina Ritchie as Lucy. This is on the tail end of her fame. Oh, really? Well, I mean, she was kind of like a kid nah, actor. I mean, right there. This is like in between right her. There. This is like a role in between her being a kid actor to like an adult actor. And that kind of didn't. Uh, Cameron yeah. Diaz makes a. Cameo as like Cameos. a TV rep, like in the elevator. Yeah, she's in the elevator. Our boy Gary Busey plays a sheriff. Yeah, well, it's a highway patrolman. Highway patrolman. Uh, get get right. your shit right. Sorry. Get <laughs> your shit right. Uh, Christopher Maloney, Sven. That's a fun one. Is Sven the photographer? The SVU no, guy. He's the uh, he's the concierge guy that. Uh, oh, actually, if you can visualize him, if you've seen the movie. That's my fear that my hairline will keep receding, but I'll continue to have volume. <laughs> Real big concern. <laughs> Didn't look bad. He rocked it. Hair looks great. Don't worry about it. Oh, you look yeah. gorgeous. Gorgeous. And then moving uh, moving further down, Mark Harmon. Uh, he's the magazine reporter. Uh, Flea makes an appearance. Vern Troyer. Where the fuck uh, is Penn of Penn and Teller. He's the guy Penn that does the drugs off of like, his Barkin flannel the, in the bathroom. the waitress. Who? Ellen, Ellen Barkin. I didn't notice that either. Uh, what are we what are we moving on to now? We normally go to like some favorite aspects. Likes and favorite aspects. We've already talked about a big one. Just I think we've all kind of mentioned it is just like the whenever there's like the narration part of it. It yeah. seems like those are actual 
that, sort of moments from the book, lines from the book. That's the that's first thing I wrote down. I cool. like any inner dialogue or just like narrative narrative that's like actually moving the story forward because those are kind of the more impactful actual like Hunter S. Thompson quotes anyway. So like I definitely don't know if it more moves the, the story content. forward, but it's where you get any content or themes of the movie whatsoever outside of drug use. True. I agree though. I like them. It feels more like poetic somehow. Uh, the last like favorite aspect I wrote down is like I kind of just like the like the severity of the destruction they cause in each hotel room it's like crazy it's, it's mind-boggling <laughs> especially it's the last one with like the flooded out floor that's like a foot deep like um all the writing on the walls with like ketchup and shit yeah like, just what like the the, fuck? Uh, well you kind of get a like a, a hint of why that could happen when the caters being like three shrimp cocktails and he's like, just <laughs> oh my god through. that part's so great or like his math breakdown when it's like uh we spent like 48 dollars 29 an hour yeah for like for 48 hours straight <laughs> which is unreal they weren't at, even in the room that much it seemed like they were out and about point, too though the, it's it's on the hotel <laughs> well, oh yeah you gotta kick him out before <laughs> he that. started with like here's two club sandwiches and <laughs> two more club, club sandwiches, sandwiches. <laughs> and a four shrimp cocktail that like nine grapefruits that's a lot of fruit if, if i was if i was working at that hotel i wouldn't go in that room more than once I'm like nah Oh, that, and that maid? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, she fell for that ruse pretty easily. Um, what a ruse. Should we move on to one of the... Co- the Actually, cat- do you guys have more? I, I have a big uh, favorite aspect. Yeah. Just like the the visual accompaniment to each kind of like... Like the drugs? Oh, changes? Drug, yeah. Um, to go on with that, I like it. I just like the visual aspects they use. They, they use different ways to show how each like trip or being high like is affected by this drug. But I also like how... They didn't in any way like glorize it, which I think they could have done. Like it's full of paranoia and like scariness. It's oh, yeah. not. It's not like, it's happy like go a, lucky. the whole experience is like a bad, scary drug drug trip. Uh, like to quote it, I got the fear. That's how I would explain the movie. I know, from but from what I, I've heard, it pretty seems pretty <laughs> accurate. Some of the symptoms. Yeah, that's why I'm scared to do anything that's longer than four hours. Even, like, I don't want to. Like, not even like, let's say if, if they're accurate, maybe to like the descriptions. I like it, at least that this movie, like in, in any other description of like mostly even like weed in like TV or cinema, it's like a hallucinogenic, like, whoa, 70s like montage no, kind yeah. of thing. But this one actually at least has like different camera effects and different reactions. Well, if I said that, Dutch keeps... angle, would you know what that meant? You, you're, you're a video guy. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have called it a Dutch angle. I would have just called it interesting angles. But Dutch angles is like lower, off kilter, higher, and stuff like that. I just learned with that, it, like they use it in like uh, Star Trek and Thor. Oh, really? Yeah, like some like just like it's just an angled, like fifteen degrees. But what the, I the what, whole what, shot? What I like? Oh, it's specifically just like that off kilter the whole yeah, time. Well, not the whole time, but just like for certain, you right? Know, like for like the LSD or whatever drug it was they they used it on. But but yeah. what 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 I what I like about these drug scenes? It's still like even though he's tripping rooted in reality like his surroundings are getting like blurry but it's it's not a cartoon it's not this it's like still yeah, he's not in the physical La La world or which is closer to real drug use than like some there's only like a few times that there's like actually like crazy hallucin like hallucinations like and that's kind of like the lizards, the, the lizards at the beginning and also when uh his lawyer like turns into like a demon with some boobs on it yeah Oh yeah, the boot. <laughs> and other than that, other than that, it's just kind of like what, like Fucking kind of beautiful. blurry camera work and like him just being like walking crazy, bow legged and weird. Well, that was that. It's like a, like Hunter they use a lot of walk. wide angle lenses and just different angles. Mm-hmm. Very like di- like oversaturated, contrasted uh, 
colors. I, mean, I think they depicted that well. Also, the Very incoherent cool. talking. I mean, just in general, you think they nailed the paranoia? Yeah, I, 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 I think it 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 didn't bode well for like narrative structure for sure. <laughs> but uh, I guess depicting somebody on the edge, maybe it did. <laughs> I was really, uh, really concerned sometimes when Benicio del Toro had the knife. Just any time he was off. So we'll save that for uh, questions, comments, animosities. Okay. Uh, do we want to move on? Do we have any Let's other favorite on. aspects? Let's. We're moving on now to questions, comments, animosities. Questions, comments, So first question off the bat, what's your favorite scene of the drug use or what's your favorite trip in the yeah, movie? Yeah. I think the most iconic is definitely the lizard humans orgy. That's like, I think the depiction just cause it's so over the top is one of them. Okay. I mean, uh, and that's more true to hallucinogenics that like you might see lizard. people. I think mine might be when they're at like the circus circus, like knockoff uh, in like, in <laughs> yeah, like you can't ridiculous. get like Benicio del Toro off the Mariger. Specifically the getting off of the carousel. Yeah, it's mostly that because was of captivating that, that the, the birth <laughs> That was given. Oh, that was, I have that. Act. That's that actually wild. I'm glad you brought that up. That's an animosity. I don't like the trapeze abortion. I that love was, that. That is. <laughs> I that loved is, it. Well, I didn't realize it was an abortion. Well, maybe, it seemed just like a, a, a well delivered baby. Well, I actually am uh, like pounded that, out with that, a hammer. Is that lady? Is she? Is she pregnant? And and I'm like, oh, I guess so. It's part of the bit. It's part, it's part of, of the part fun. Of the and I think you could see. Uh, well, I'm not going to bring that up. Okay. That'd be crazy to be in that show every night. I was thinking that right at when I was like, "Wow, those like." Just <laughs> well, we that. don't we don't really know what the show was. Question: was Okay, so like True. the netting there, Very true. the netting there when Johnny Depp like walks beneath that, like the trapeze artist is like bobbing with it. Yeah, where like close. you could like fall and then like just crack someone's head. That's like, like a sack of taters neck. hitting you in the yeah, fucking head. Yeah, like dude. let's let's get a like break. Like a hundred and eighty pound sack of taters. Oh, that's a lot of taters. That's a lot falling from two stories up. Okay, question: This is like the beginning of the movie. Why is Toby Maguire so sweaty in the back of that car? It's the desert. Yeah, I guess, but he is just so and sweaty. And I think he's pretty, very nervous about the, nervous the company. About the drivers. And, Those guys are fucking whacked off their brains. You know, actually, they're gonna kill me or crash. It's not the most like the vivid description, like depiction of like any drug use or anything. But actually, that might be my favorite scene. The that, whole beginning. I was just, like, just about to say that's my favorite. Like. The scene bats? from the whole movie. The it's whole just the, opening the start sequence. scene, yeah. It's also like the funniest. It has some of those like major quotes like too about well, like we were the just... whole list of drugs. Oh, like... this is a trickle down like the opening it's the opening of the book, but also the opening of the movie. That line is so good. We were somewhere outside of Barso near the desert when the drugs began to take hold. <laughs> That's just a good opening to a good. movie. I'm it's not like, sure if it's Barstow because it seems like my autocorrect. That's like Call Me Ishmael. <laughs> that's like Call Me Ishmael. It is. It's better than Call Me Ishmael. Absolutely. Because now I'm uh, now I'm interested. Kind of okay with my impersonation there. Kind of like also an animosity is like there's a lot of it uh, overdubbing in this movie because the audio is clearly like bad because he's holding that like cigarette holder in his mouth, but. It's just it's hard to hear like the just like sometimes like they're at the that's ama- like he just like think about that like having something in your mouth while you're shooting well, a movie that whole time that'd be so hard. <laughs> you're a madman. The penguin does it. Ah. So let's talk about let's talk about Ridiculous. the performances. Are we for him? Are we against him? For I'm for, very for. for. I'm like very for Benicio del Toro's character, but there's sometimes he gets a little too murdery, a little too rapey, and it's uncomfortable. But sometimes, I, like this is like trickle down like. But I think oh, that's a quote, maybe. But like it's all of them. But I love anytime he says, "As your lawyer, I advise you," and then he just <laughs> says something completely ridiculous, like you need to get a convertible, like a t- like a t- 
like a convertible without a top and a bunch of cocaine kind of thing. Like, but there is that one kind of funny part um, uh, when he actually talks to him like sober as his lawyer. He's like, I've already taken care of it. Oh yeah, when he's just like sober, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't see that happening at that, all. That's I'm a, like, I guess he's real. That is like a question for me too. Like, how did he get out of that bathroom? How did he catch that flight? How did he beat him back to the hotel again? Well, how um, far I, it was Johnny Depp? I haven't unverified that in between. That scene when uh, Johnny Depp's driving away, um, that's like the break in between the two stories. So like that in the middle part when he talks to him is like the first story from the book and then the second story from the book. Is him back in Vegas? Yeah. So they just combine the two stories that way. It's like, oh, you're not done. You got to get back. You got to go back. Interesting. Would you Hmm. guys, if you, okay, now be honest and I'll, I'll be honest to the viewers. Had I not done research, I would not have picked up on the themes that they say the book and the movie is talking about. I mean, Did you they, pick them up just on viewing? I mean, so much just no, because probably they, not. Not maybe so. Uh, in I, kind of. I mean, because he kind I'll of just honest, says it the whole time. He's like, "I'm looking for the American dream." He like he says it throughout the movie, kind of. No, I totally get I that. Read, but I if, read about the movie after I watched it, which kind of hurt me in the end. Because like sometimes you want to go in knowing some of those nuances. But I like, I like that I went in not knowing. Anything. This was the first time I kind of yeah. did. I was like, I'm just gonna watch it. That's normally what I try to I do. I went in cold turkey. But the whole time I'm like, I'm trying to pick up on these themes and I know their voice on over whatever, but it's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot coming at me to like, unless I rewatched it or I guess whole, in today's what, what, day and age just read about it, I wouldn't have picked up. What on would it. you say people like, what's the whole theme is it's like the death of the American dream. That's what I, that's what I've come across. The death of the American dream, specifically like the hippie and the countercultures American dream, like the hope and promise of peace, love and dope. Peace, love, dope. It's like it's over. Nixon won. It ain't going to happen. The crashing of the wave, which, quote, I'm sure we'll get into probably the most famous. It doesn't the book. Doesn't um, Thompson get a little political, too, in his writings? Yeah, I think. I mean, he was part of the counterculture, and that's yeah. like his main themes. Cool. But I will say this, though. It's cool that you're saying all that, but man, you guys are just really, really drugged out the whole time. <laughs> so it's tough to wade through that. Just like at the end when he's got that lizard tail on, you're wading through all that shit. Like, I don't know what's going on. A Where'd lot they the get that from? Well, here's like a pretty big question on top of that. Just like, why? What do you, what do you, how, what, why? Why? What, why? How, <laughs> how don't they get arrested? Like, why doesn't anyone turn them in? Why is no one more concerned about it's all the, the destruction? the 70s, man. Like, I get that, like, kind of, it's just like the time, but like, they're like beyond drunk or high. They're on like mescaline and ether and like so. I'll just say Vegas maybe gives them a little bit of a pass, but it's interesting that even people like in Vegas are like kind of just like whoa, those guys are those guys are over those the guys top. are next level. Well, well, especially like if you if you're like a maid service, you're like the room service coming in and they're waving a gun and a knife and it's clearly like trashed. Like how don't they immediately get kicked out? I mean, that's almost kind of a a statement in itself. Is like. Vegas is supposed to be this like progressive. Uh, I mean, place. I guess that is kind of a play on like there's you know that's what you go there for the dream kind of thing, and they're and still being treated like royalty. Yeah. And, hey, question: What's up with those people with the machine gun in the desert in the middle of that race? What are they doing, just firing into the sand? I think you can just shoot guns in the desert in Vegas. Yeah, okay, it's probably dangerous to be shooting in that huge dust cloud where there's a bunch of bikers. I just can't imagine how many times he's yeah, wild. Been fired. That was crazy. If that was if I mean oh, if that's gunfire, a- enemy, we must get out of here. If that's a true tale. It's just funny that, like, that's the initial reason he was there, to cover that story. Yeah. Like, the whole impetus for the entire movie is that he's there for that race that we see, like, a couple minutes of. But then they just happen to be like, well, we're going to go to Vegas. We've got all these drugs. 
I mean, we're going to do them. But with people like anybody that lives hard like this, there's this romanticized version of it. Like, man, it'd be great just to drink all day and write. But then, like, you, you, what you don't normally see is them waking up to the carnage and all that stuff. And the hangovers, just unbelievable. It'd have to be Seemed non-existent in this movie. I like, he's like, I've been up for, like, th- two days. If I, if I go to sleep now, I'll be up for 20 hours. I think that's because they're fueled by drugs. Yeah, that's what, that's what they do. I don't watch this movie and want to do the drugs, though. Do you? No. Not at all. None it's, of them seem fun. No. Not at all. Uh-oh, you took too much. You got the brain bubbles. I don't want to hear that. Which is also an animosity. If I'm like having a bad trip, do you and I never need someone being like, oh, don't do that. You might die. That's not going to help me calm down. Obviously, though, this, like when once you're in it that deep, you're kind of accepting, yeah, death might happen. <laughs> in like, fact, I'm almost searching for it. Yeah, if you're taking stuff that's like, oh, you took too much. Uh-oh. <laughs> They're also traveling, though, with antidotes for their drugs and, like, uh, Yo, medication. Do you want me to read this to you, or do you okay, want to just is, take a look at it? No, no. Read this out loud. This was publicized um, in, a, in a news article written about Hunter S. Thompson. Kind of even later on in his life, not when he was young. This is his daily routine. Do you think it's him logging this? <laughs> and now I've know. taken my ether? Mark. Okay, ready. so at 3 p.m., Rise. Okay. That's how it starts. 3 p.m. <laughs> I'm in so far. Yeah, I don't hate it. 3.05. Uh, Shiv is regal with a morning papers. Dunhill cigarette. 3.45. Cocaine. 3.50. Another glass of Shiv is. Dunhill. 4 o'clock. First cup of coffee. Another Dunhill. 4.15. Cocaine. 4.16. Orange juice and another Dunhill. 4.30, some cocaine. 4.50, cocaine. 5 o'clock, cocaine. Uh, 5.11, another Dunhills. Uh, 6 p.m., grass to take the get the edge off. Gonna okay. have to be a lot of grass. Yeah. <laughs> just, just 6 p.m., just to take the edge off. Uh, Woody Creek Tavern at uh, 7.05. Let's see, we've got lunch. Heineken, two hits. <laughs> lunch Heineken two margaritas two cheeseburgers two orders of fries plated tomatoes coleslaw taco I like that salad. he does order everything in doubles and stuff then that's fun another Dunhills <laughs> another Heineken uh, snow cone um, 10 p.m. drops acid 11 p.m. more cocaine and grass <laughs> 11.30 cocaine midnight uh, he's ready to write at midnight. Okay. Ready to write. Uh, <laughs> midnight to 6 a.m. He this is when he's writing. He's he's doing coffee, uh grass. <laughs> we just call it a grass now. That's fun. I like when you get coffee, some grass, grass and beer, briefers, cloves, and- cigarettes, grapefruit. He just loves grapefruit, champagne, uh fettuccine Alfred. He's just this is he's just logging this. So obviously there's people like him. 8 a.m. Go to bed. Sleep. So he sleeps from 8 to 9, 9 to 10, 10, 11, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. Only seven hours of sleep. That's more than I get. Well, also after that's that schedule, you would, think, you would think like 20 hours. That's not sustainable. Yeah, that's, that's not sustainable. He lived to 65. He died of suicide. So it wasn't like natural causes. Like he didn't pass away. He didn't overdose. Why is that not a surprise to me? I'm not saying that somebody like him didn't live that hard, but you you couldn't sustain that. 
that no. much. Well, and he, and he didn't. That actually brings me up to a question about the movie. So I won't go into everything in the case, but there's only a salt shaker of cocaine. I thought that was I'm low, like, too. I think that's not enough cocaine from what I'm gathering from you. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that, too. Was that's like, going to be not even right nearly the, enough cocaine. Right, 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 right off like, the bat, I'm like, what? Right now, I'm thinking you guys have more than enough beer. You I guys are going to sip was, on I a I thought beer, it was like, silly they even mentioned a case of beer or like a fifth. No, I just I just read that, and I, I don't obviously know how much uh, ether you're supposed to have. I don't know how much ether you're supposed to have. Just a rag is what I would assume. Just a wet rag. Yeah, not like a whole quart. No. Well, as we learned from Dead Poets, not Dead Poets, Heidi, Cider House rules, uh, too much. (laughs) Way different. And uh, too much, and you kill yourself if you're Michael Caine. Yeah, I think that ether probably is, uh, you can get a... Pretty sure he falls asleep, knocks over a jar, it cracks open, and he's just huffing all of it, though. You know, so don't do that. I just thought, comment, maybe not an... I mean, your coke just seems off. Like maybe you needed more, or it seems like a little. Dude, like whatever, like fifty pellets of mescaline, whatever that <laughs> yeah, means. I don't. Even, yeah, that seems like way too much of that, and not enough of uh, the salt shaker. Yeah, I, uh, I believe also like shaker. of course we didn't need all of this, but when you have a heavy drug <laughs> habit, you just tend to something. That's true. We're hey, for this country. one, quote, quotes <laughs> Dude, are just gonna it. fly everywhere because they're in reference. Yeah, to yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to go back and circle some, but you're just gonna hear. We're some. gonna miss so many too, because like. There are just so many. I couldn't write them down. I know. Well, the, all the delivery are just so like unique and over the top and drug fueled that like a lot of the simple lines are kind of just interesting. But you can't write down everything. So, so I guess if I didn't specify, what the animosity I have is that as much as I like that it doesn't glorify, like it shows a kind of realistic depiction of drug use, the paranoia, the paranoia, the fear. It also, in a way, glorifies it. A little bit. Oh, definitely a little bit. I mean, bit. let's not pretend they that go on it a doesn't. crazy adventure, destroying way? shit. And they, <laughs> there's no repercussions no, for all their. There's like, absolutely no repercussions, like Cameron said. Yeah, but you know there is. I, but like, but the trip itself, though, it does not look enjoyable. It's no, it's, the trip it's looks uncomfortable. The look, trip looks awful, and it definitely looks like a form of addiction. But it also, in some way, as 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 poorly as it depicts it, you're like, mm, it would be fun to just get out go there, go on do an it. adventure, just do it. Not yeah. worry about the consequences, as Cameron says. Lots of guns flaring around that. in this. A lot of guns like. and knives. Uh, just, All from uh, Benicio Del Toro's comment. Camp. Trickle down like. I like when Benicio Del Toro comes out in a robe made of the comforter from the hotel room. Well, that was unfortunate. That's in the worst scene of the movie. That is in the worst scene, but I like his attire. <laughs> no, his attire I like is his. Cool. So the uh, the difference between the book and the movie. That scene in the book, he's he's naked. So it's not implied that he's going to do bad stuff to her. It's like they maybe already done it. But they're like, we can't. We're, we're going to tone that down a little bit. Because it's already pretty. That's like, Oh, the, it's a really uncomfortable scene. Yeah. That's a big animosity of the movie in general. I, get, I mean, it's in the book, though, so I suppose. Not that it's in. I mean, just in general watching oh, it. Though, it's, just, like, it's an uncomfortable watch. It is really uncomfortable. Which is not, which is kind of like an animosity that like uh, I kind of like uh, the the lawyer Benicio del Toro's character, but then like he does a couple there's like that, and then like the waitress scene, and they're like, oh come on, man, reel it, reel it in, reel that crazy in. That guy's that guy's crazy. Uh, I, here's something I like. Just trickle down like in a comment. They always have like a smoke in their mouth, and like most of the time they aren't lit. Granted, I you see them throughout the movie dipping it in like either coke or other drugs and stuff, and just putting it in their mouths. But like I was, I thought that this one would be, and I'm sure it is. Just on my view, and I thought there'd be continuity errors all the time, but it didn't matter because they were they were it never just lit. Didn't matter, and there's no stream. There's no timeline. It's just stream of whatever. Yeah, true. I like the, there's a segment where, it, like, I think it's at the beginning in the, with the lizards where it's, like, broken and just hanging there but still smoking and he's, like, <laughs> puffing on it. 
Um, there was one he time. He like takes it like he like lights up on somebody getting a light. <laughs> no, no, I like yeah, yeah. There's in also the a scene where he like grabs a drink on the way through and just like puts it back in her hand. He kind of an animosity that he's always throwing change at people. That's at Come the beginning on. when he's like you know a little more coherent, but still like <laughs> oh wow this is crazy. You think he's fucked up then, but wait till the end. Oh Jesus, he just goes yeah to the top. Okay, I get- so I did say to myself when they got the the hotel at the Flamingo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's nice. It's a nice hotel. This is a nice change of pace for all of us. <laughs> Little did we know, we were they were about to tear it up. It's about to become a pool. And he was was that real or in his mind? No, I think that was, that real. was real. I think they just was flooding it. Oh, gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> gross that he like didn't leave too and just stayed in the boots and like in the water to like do his like what happened last night kind of like reminiscing. Um, question: like, I get that they're saying that they have a soundproof suite, but. No one can hear him with a megaphone being like, get back, get back, you animal, and beep, like, just, like, loud as shit, being like, like, take your uppers, take crack, take whatever, just get get, get your head straight, man. Like, no one can hear that blaring from that room. I, they can hear it. I, mean, yeah, I guess they can't. I guess they just no one is turning, the, no one will turn them in. I mean, think, like, you're going to turn them in? Also, if you're in the room, if where they you're like, found out that my... you turned them in, yeah, you're like, this isn't my problem. I'm checking out tomorrow. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess even I the highway patrolman saw that it was Hunter gonna S. Thompson hit the and slots. was like, oh my god, it's okay, you. Okay, yeah, so that's actually true. I'm gonna hit the penny slots. <laughs> oh, at least back then there would have been like a real slot machine, not the touchscreen stuff that it is nowadays. A real crank with some coins and stuff. You're saying, <laughs> yeah, that that would keep me at it a little bit. Check it down, like I like that he, uh, the lawyer Benicio del Toro, just like t- Dr. Gonzo, just like. Talks to the guy to get into that Debbie Reynolds concert. Like, listen to me over here, man. Let me talk to you. And like, what, what did he say? What did he say to get in there when he was clearly that fucked up? I've got a gun. And I'm really <laughs> high on X, Y, and Z. Listen, man. I got uppers. I got downers, and I'm ready to. Re- I'm ready for anything. Animosity. Why did the hotel send him that knife to cut a lime? They just gave him a murder, like suicide weapon or something. I think that was a lie, Cameron. I don't think that. You think they sent him like that hunter's <laughs> knife? knife? I'm pretty <laughs> sure he. Knife. He's I, like, they sent me this gun in this paper bag, too. I fell for that lying druggie. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think they sent it to him. I got a question that, too. I'm like, wow, that's a big knife. <laughs> <laughs> that businessman who was in that hippie bar, how is he so surprised that there's two hippies doing drugs in the bathroom? Like, what, what do you think was going on in there? I think he was probably surprised that nobody was um, giving fluffers. <laughs> Can I just ask this? What do we think about the, uh, the carousel bar? Love it. Yeah. I would hate being on it, I think. It's all right. It's all right. It's an interesting idea. I think I just like it because the bit of like getting a drunk off that. So I'm definitely not. It's a terrible idea. Like a a bunny. Like a rabbit. I'm I'm just, I'm not a big drug user, but I know one thing. I don't want to be in public uh, around anything. Oh, no. My drug trip in Vegas would so totally just be, I I think it's I love you, man. I'm forgetting, sir. I don't know which one, but he's like, oh, it's turning on me, man, when they go to Cirque du Soleil after they take uh, mushrooms. It's knocked up. Knocked up. I think that'd be just me at Vegas on like anything. Oh, man. I would just freak out. That chair's very droll and just looking at me. (laughs) Like, that's just in the hotel room. They started in the street. This one's squatting. Odd. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't want to be. And like, I can't, there's nowhere like sadder than a casino. Because it's not, it's like. It always looks so nice in the movies, but they don't look like that. No, you see like people like smoking cigarettes while they're on oxygen tanks. It depends on what time you're there. Yeah, if you're there at like four in the morning and that's (laughs) the case, then yeah, that's real sad. I mean, I like. Mark goes for the nightlife. He's there between Uh, six and Uh, (laughs) Mark goes for the, uh, like the matinee. I'm here. I want to get a. I have twenty dollars, and I'm making this stretch for six hours. Peggy, 
I'll have my you meet, uh, you meet, you meet ladies named Peggy. That's oh yeah, you definitely know the staff. <laughs> Uh, Do you guys have any other questions, comments, or animosities? I have so about many this? questions about the movie. Well, like, a lot of it just gets like on? a lot of that. Did I mean that's the, that's the thing with this movie? A lot of the questions are just like, oh, they're on drugs. That's not even the question. It's just like I yeah, that hurt my question uh, numbers. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's just kind of like literally the question there on the movie is like, okay, wh- where are we at here? What's going on? Maybe I won't keep. This you can't part. say why you, this, why you, that. Do you like the movie? Is it worth a watch? I kind of think it drags. Sometimes I, I like aspects and like scenes out of the movie, and there yeah, are. Yeah, I like scenes. I like. It's, not, the, I it's like, not like a Friday night watch. It's like no. Oh, I like. The, I, I want to watch this movie. That's true. It's I like an the iconic. It's not something I'm seeking it out. That's I true. I don't find it very rewatchable. There are iconic scenes and like I quotes agree. I like out of it, but it's not something I'm gonna like specifically. I don't know. Seek yeah, out. it's worth a talk and a discussion and like a viewing, but like I definitely don't need to watch it again. I kind of wish it was more in the realm of like the Big Lebowski. Where I wanted to watch it more. Where it was a little more well, cohesive. I actually think you could have done that, and they just chose to stylistically not do it. Okay, out of all these scenarios in the movie, which is the le- like, which one do you want to find yourself in the least of like the wake ups? The end one. Yeah, there's what? Yeah, he's his that, friend left. That's him. totally not in his name anymore. No, that that's like his friend's hotel. You can just how about this? He, he, which, like, he, he just walk. You walk away. Which trip do you would you rather not take? Lizards. That's a better one. Lizards. As far as like the drugs. Yeah. Uh, Lizards trips. Man. What the the made up the drug at the end when he's like hallucinating with uh, with like uh, his lawyer the adre- like the, the adrenaline, adrenaline or whatever yeah, that seemed pretty terrible. Adrenochrome. <laughs> the description of ether that you just essentially lose control doesn't seem good at all. No, all the just stuck in your body. Yeah, or do you guys have any more? Um, I just yeah. Right before we go, I couldn't understand half of the things, and I'm sure it's because he was on drugs. I don't know what Benicio del Toro's character said the whole time. (laughs) Versions of that. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Um, there was one clear point where he's like, "I've already got you a room at the (laughs) the one moment he's sober (laughs) in the entire movie." That I understood. Unverified. I feel like first we should probably just get into the Hunter S. Thompson lore. Uh, just a soft start. Hunter S. Thompson was the person that shaved Johnny Depp's head for the movie. Johnny Depp became infatuated with learning everything about Hunter S. Thompson, probably because he idolized him. And they became friends and hung out for like three weeks before the movie. So shoot. Uh, they switched car. <clears throat> they switched cars at the time. So Johnny Depp was riding around Hollywood in the uh, convertible. And also, while they switched cars, uh, Hunter S. Thompson wrote a uh, story. I think it was like for a, for like a newspaper, like a magazine. But he named it uh, "Fear and Loathing in Hollywood: My Doomed Love at the Taco Stand." <laughs> so you know they weren't all hits. <laughs> you take a lot of drugs, you're gonna have some pretty big misses. It seems like he had six huge hits. And I bet there's a lot of misses. And there's going to be some strangies. I can only imagine how many times he got fired in his life. Oh, I mean, I, probably the credit card bill. The, oh, I guess they were under a fake name in that first uh, hotel, but that one's definitely... Uh... Sir, you smell like mescaline. <laughs> or you just got hired to go write a story about this dirt bike race. Yeah, but that guy that knows what mescaline's like, is like, where can I get that can mescaline? Can I get some mescaline? <laughs> no smell at all. Like, right? <laughs> I smell nothing. Are you? Do you have drugs? Uh, uh so actually, this quick quick off of that, just because we were talking about like the friendship. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Depp funded uh, uh, Thompson's funeral 
and had his ashes oh, yeah, shot dude. out of a yeah. cannon. <laughs> shot out of a fucking cannon. I mean, if you're going to go, why not go big? Now it might be a diamond. I don't know. There's so many options today. What uh, do you mean? Of what you can do with your ashes. There's uh, another kind of fun thing. All the wardrobe in the well, movie from Johnny well, Depp. Back up, back up, back up. What? What are you going to do with your ashes? I said I'm going to get crushed into a diamond now. Oh, you're going to be a diamond. I'm going to be a tree. Oh, you're going to be a tree? Yeah, I'm going to be a tree. Well, I also did it one time. I did tell my girlfriend that after I died to throw my ashes in the face of my enemies one by one. You're fucked, Mark. Yeah, don't piss me off. You're going to get ashes in the face. <laughs> it's like the big Lebowski. Yeah, if, you, if I don't have any other enemies, you're just going to get the whole container. I would say that uh, um, isn't it? didn't Keith Richards notoriously like snort his dad's ashes with Coke? Oh, probably, yeah. That's you know, you, you get rock wild. stories like that. Mm, to go on, like... So Johnny Depp's not like the first person that's completely depicted uh, Hunter S. Thompson on screen. Bill Murray uh, acted in 1980s Where the Buffalo Roam. Anybody seen that? No, nope. I actually haven't. But uh, it's, I think it's uh, it's streaming right now, though. I think I've, I've seen it pop up somewhere. It's a loose adaptation of this book as the well. The same book. Yeah. So but correct a me if I'm version. wrong, but... Um, Thompson often incorporated fear and loathing in a lot of his titles of just things. He's done a lot yeah. of things. He had like fear and loathing like at the Super Bowl or mm-hmm. some shit like that. Like it sounds like he was really fucked up at the Super Bowl. <laughs> it sounds like that could have been the title of everything. That could have been the title of everything. Fear and loathing at my niece's second birthday. <laughs> he didn't go to his niece's <laughs> fear and loathing today. Um, oh, another fun thing with just uh, the Johnny oh, no, Depp. But Bill, Hunter, but oh, Bill yeah. Murray um, gave advice to Johnny Depp. Hey, just be careful. Try try for your next role to do another character, or you'll keep doing this character for 10 years. And it seems like Johnny Depp did. Yeah, I guess that's Bill Murray also saying, hey, I might have uh, been Hunter S. Thompson in a lot of movies. Peter Bankman, Hunter S. Thompson. Well, I think it was more no, so. Johnny Depp really didn't do that, though. Well, I think less so like acting. I think he was trying to say like lifestyle choice, like, hey, don't like get too locked in this character or you'll, or you'll become him. Yeah, which is kind of, I think, what more the warning was and kind of what Johnny Depp ended up doing. Mm-hmm. So. Seems like he definitely did. Yeah. Um, just throwaway fact, Benicio Del Toro gained 40 pounds for the role. 45. 45 pounds for the role. Thank you for the check. Would uh, you? Would you do that? Yeah. That'd be fucking crazy to do. He said if he I did it by eating donuts. I, mean, I would eat a lot of bread because I love bread. This is kind of interesting. This is into a couple like uh, director what-ifs and casting what-ifs, but uh, Terry Gilliam, who is the director, he only got the offer after uh, Alex Cox uh, left the picture because of creative differences, which I wonder where that would have been. But then uh, also uh, Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando were going to be casted as the two main characters because they were attached to it like early on in like after the book uh, came out <clears throat> but also they, Dan Aykroyd and uh, yeah, Jim Belushi and then uh, that would have been amazing but that me. the first the one fell Brothers, apart because oh my god the first one fell apart because they just got too old but that one obviously John Belushi died so they had to scratch that one but yeah. also this would have been fun Martin that would have been so good so in the Aykroyd Belushi Aykroyd would have been Hunter S. Thompson Belushi would have been yeah lawyer, I think so I assume so and then with oh, uh, the Jack Nicholson, Marlon Brando, I think Nicholson would have been Hunter S. Thompson. I think and so too. Brando would have been. Did I read that um, Martin Scorsese and Oliver Stone? They tried to get the the film. Scorsese would. Uh, I would have liked Scorsese. to see Scorsese. Scorsese. It would have been those two would have been so different from this. Oh, it would have been a narrative. Yeah, it, it would have had a narrative, and I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't work like that. Maybe this is better. But I, I would. I, there was a quote it. I forget who, but someone who initially was like tied to the film was like, "This is never going to be a good adaptation, and it won't work for film." 
So a lot of people. That's why a lot of people did walk away from it too. They're like, "This is just so." Yeah, yeah. Odd. I think that it was um, a highly sought after like carrot, but I was like, "Man, it's just too hard, and we're not going to do it right, and whatever." Oh, oh, back to the Hunter S. Thompson thing. Just uh, another kind of fun thing. Uh, all of the clothes that Johnny Depp wore in the movie were just actually Hunter S. Thompson's <laughs> wardrobe. He just lent him. That's funny. So everything. Did this is- movie trickle down? Question. Kind of want to wear more flower print. Uh, more. I want to get in the hat game. The hat game. Oh, everyone's wearing a hat. Yeah, I just, I can't, pull. I mean. Everything I, he wears is just so goofy in it, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is kind of just a weird one. Uh, the scene with Gary Busey is the highway patrolman. He improvised the, give me a kiss. It's lonely out here. Oh, really? Yeah, that's not well, in the book. With it. It's not in the book. It wasn't in the script, and they just kept it in. Because everyone was kind of weirded out by him. Like, it doesn't really, feel, like, it's just kind of odd. But That's then, real weird. But the director thought it was really funny, and he wanted to keep it. Yeah, it definitely came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I Where was that, that in the uh, scale of the uh, Busey crazy scale? Um, this is 1998. We're in it. Okay, <laughs> we're definitely it wasn't in too it. crazy though. This is post. Oh, no. Wasn't small, a crazy cap scene. No, he's saying off screen. This is post accident. Okay. Oh no, small enough role. It's hard to actually okay. capture the craziness of the Busey. As far as actual roles, this might be a little bit of a lull before he becomes. Gary Busey, the crazy guy. Okay. And he's still an actor. Now he's kind of Gary Busey as himself. The so guy. I don't know. The, the guy. guy. The guy. Uh, oh, there was also like, I, I have this somewhere, but. Oh, there, there, there was going to be an adaptation. Well, someone initially all wanted to do this as like an animation. Uh, it was going to be uh, Ralph Bakshi. I might have butchered the name, but he wanted to uh, do it kind of based already off of uh, the illustrations from the book and just go with that same vibe. But uh, who? who uh, but Hunter S. Thompson had given the rights to the story to his girlfriend, so he actually he ended up spending like a week with her trying to talk her into this. But she was adamant that it has to be a live action film, so he just dropped it. I mean, you could have obviously gone off the rails with an animated film, but nobody would want to watch that shit. It would have been, yeah, it would have been harder to get an audience. It would have been Yellow like. Submarine. It would have been something like that. Like, oh, cool, you did it. But like to go on about animation, um, if you look at the T-shirt that um, Tobey Maguire's character is wearing, um, that animated character um, from the from the articles "Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas," the mm-hmm. animator for Rolling Stone. They took his work and put it on a T-shirt. Hmm. So you know, yeah, just a little nod to the to that. The drug um, adrenochrome mm-hmm. is fake. It's made up. Hunter S. Thompson made it up for the story. But um, in a screening of the movie, like uh, a pre-screening of the movie, like getting audience approval and stuff, some some person from the crowd went up to the director Terry. What's his name? Gilliam. Terry Gilliam, and he's like, oh, man, I love that you used adrenochrome in it. Like, you really depicted how the drug is used, and the direct, and the director's like, I didn't have the heart to tell him that it's made up. And it's all made fake. up drug, and that kid's an idiot. Yeah, but that's that's true with people. Like, they just want to belong. They just want to feel. They'll lie and be like, I've totally taken that drug, and it's not real at all. Uh, that's the last fact I have, other than uh, they actually just got uh, <clears throat> Debbie Reynolds to come in and do just some quick voice work, because... Oh, that was really your voice. Yeah, the director of someone was friends with, um, oh my God, her daughter. Why am I spacing on her name? Because I don't have the thing pulled up in front of me. Mm. Carrie Fisher, my God. Uh, so, someone was friends with Carrie Fisher and just got her to convince her mom just to come in and quick t- audio for that. Oh, that's that's kind of fun. Thanks, Debbie. I'm Reynolds. out of facts. As am I. Moving on to 
recasting. All right, we're into it, everybody. We're here in recasting. Mark, kick it off. Who do you want to start, and who do you want to recast? All right, let's yeah. let's get down to the let's get down to the brass tacks here. Gonzo, who's Gonzo? Okay, I kind of like mine. I put Louis Guzman. You, he, I know Louis Guzman. Okay, is. perfect. I, I, I know Louis Guzman. Okay, I, I know exactly who. Um, I don't think he has a notorious role, but I'm going to say from the Count of Monte Cristo, he's a smuggler pilot friend. Yeah, that's how I was going to get you to understand that one if you didn't know. Danny Trejo, Machete. I thought about that. I thought about putting Danny Trejo in there. If you had Danny Trejo in the in the roles where he's going off the off the hinges, I'd be a lot oh scared. Yeah. So hear me out. I might have to get a picture, oh but um, I'm taking a fictional character played by a real character. You know when uh, Vince from Entourage tries to play uh, play Pablo Medellin? Escobar? You're saying his character from Medellin? Yeah, when he's, <laughs> when he's chubbly Pablo Escobar. Okay. <laughs> That's weird. not real, but uh, visually you get where I'm going. I, I have an interesting one. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, he could have been yeah, fine. I actually would have liked that a lot. Like that's, it, it would have been a good depiction. Of, like he would have acted well. Would be a little less that's shaving. A, that's a dark horse. That's that's a good one. I think he would have done enough. He would have looked job. like it, but he would have yeah. done. He actually done real good. Now I kind of feel dumb about mine. Um, I kind of thought of this when I when I saw the filmmakers work. Mm-hmm. But I thought Heath Ledger could probably do a pretty good job. Funny enough, weird, weirdly, Heath Ledger kind of popped in my mind right away. But I was like, I don't know. I feel like I've been glorifying him a lot recently. I didn't want to do it. I mean, I just think he would have done well, but I yeah, I think it would have been. But a good I kind of like the Philip Seymour Hoffman. If we low key though, like Johnny Depp probably did the best. Oh, yeah, I will he, say it's good casting. They were like friends, and like he kind of seems like got he's weird more passionate it. about it and, than and anybody he, else. And he is just a good character actor too, so that it works. It he totally sounds works. exactly like him. It's crazy. Uh, oh, I did have uh, their photographer. I did have one guy. Oh, I had someone for the photographer too. Actually, who'd you have? Oh, I had Phil Hartman. Ooh, that's kind of a fun one. Funny enough, Mark was just pulling up Phil Hartman videos the other day being like, why don't we ever recast Phil Hartman? You could recast him so many places because he can play both straight and goofy. Throw away because I don't think anyone else had it, but Lucy, the girl that Dr. Gonzo is kind of getting weird with, I put Kirsten Dunst in there. Sure. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Uh, Did anyone do the Tobey Maguire character? Because I just did Elijah Wood. Um, uh, fine, you took mine. I'll do Daniel Radcliffe. I kind of like that too. Now that I think about Macaulay Culkin, old that, one. Oh, that, fine, yeah, yeah old weird one. Yeah, yeah. That, that works great. I would also say the other Culkin can be just as weird. There. Yeah, he could actually do it, it any, just fine. I'll give it to any Culkin. Any Culkin. Culkin. Any Culkin. Calling all Culkins. Calling all Culkins. <laughs> and only two are rising to the top, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, Macaulay and. Kieran McCullin all Culkins. <laughs> uh, that's what they say at family reunions. This is just like a throwaway because I don't think you guys did this one either. But just the business man in that toilet scene. I just want to see Jonah Hill walking out being like, what's going on here? Just imagine him from like... Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Well, what is he in when he's in a suit? Uh, um, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Imagine him in Wolf of Wall Street. That character's kind of walking out and seeing that guy eating there and being like, uh-huh. So I found a lot... Or, well, I found... Some resemblance to that movie a little bit. I don't know if that's how Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, if I don't know if that's like how Scorsese wanted to do. Oh, this you're saying movie. well, they do a lot of drugs. Heavy, heavy drug drug use also going off the rails. So spoiler, like kinda... I could see uh, Leonardo DiCaprio being uh, yeah. under stops, and that's actually a good I thought one. about that. That's a good one. But it it it's, <clears throat> it wasn't until though in Wolf of Wall Street um, where he's tripping on. Quaaludes cra- yeah, and the- he's crawling. They're like, oh, he could go for it in his own way. It's visually pretty straightforward, 
But like they got the same type of like drug infused trip part with that. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like that. I could see that happening. The movie Leonardo would be DiCaprio. three hours, though. Oh, for sure. If it was Scorsese, it's going to be... <laughs> like, it'd be an hour <laughs> Dude, longer. It'd all, be so good. It'd the be soundtrack good. would be sick, though. Oh, all, of the, all of the drug scenes that I'm like, oh, I get it. They're on drugs. There would have been 10 more. All just not doing anything but Benicio yeah, Del Toro it's, yelling. It's hard to see it as a different movie, but I also didn't read the book. But I could have liked it more from other people. It just would have been so different. Do you want to move on to the real Trinity? Okay, so welcome back to the Holy Trinity. If it's your first time listening, uh, we have three character actors every week that we try to put in the movie. Uh, this week, it well, it used to be Keanu Reeves, Brandon Fraser, Fraser, and, Fraser Jeff and Jeff Goldblum. But now we're switching it up. We have two for sure, and we have a floater that you guys are going to vote for. But Nicolas right now, Cage. But right now, it's Nicolas Cage, Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken, and this week we're doing the floater, Danny DeVito again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just start off with Christopher Walken. You guys put him as the lawyer because I think I'm putting him as the lawyer. Gonzo, he's Gonzo. absolutely. If yeah, not, I tried got, to fit him elsewhere, but he could be one of the car salesmen just as a cameo. But that's not enough. Imagine him just kind of saying anything you got. As your lawyer, say. I suggest you to get in a car. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I well, not not really, <laughs> but I would. You know, I'd watch it. Come on, that's yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Just. By rule of elimination. Okay, Nicolas Cage, I'm also putting his Gonzo, because imagine some of those free cats with, ah, I have the fear, I have the fear. I, I put Think him as Duke. Duke. I put him as Duke. I guess that makes sense, too. You also get freak outs. It'll just be You get way, a lot of freak outs. It's just, like it's just, it's just well, now I'm his just freak outs about, are going to be a lot more like Well, think uh, about all Gonzo's. his weird over-the-top reactions to seeing things. Like, True. You can't see what I'm doing, but it's pretty The bad thing? <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. I mean, that's how I did. All right, so we're, we're in... DeVito, 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 DeVito. Somewhere in the circus casino. I'm not sure where, but he's the, the baby clown. That pops out? Nah, he's yeah. the uh, highway patrolman. Oh, yeah. That, that'd yeah, be, that'd actually like be that. a good role so for him. so good there. Concierge. I'm just, I'm just like short he, and squat. Just. He could also be the Sven concierge. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be he could be that. Too. I want to see o- and also I want to see Officer Dangle. Ca- Ooh, actually. I like the Officer one maybe the best. He could also be one of just the car Officer Dangle as the... Oh, okay. What about when they're at the the, <laughs> okay. the police convention and they're going on the about the guy freaking bit? out at the desk? Yeah, he could be that guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh no, 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 no! The guy giving the speech about like, are you cool? Oh, are you the hip? marijuana. That guy. Okay. Yeah, I like that. That works for me just because it's also like one of the longer speeches by a non-main character. Uh, so make sure everybody you uh, vote in to get the, the final third trinity. Uh, if you guys have uh, other trinity ideas or recasting in general, you know, hit us up on social media and let's see what you think. Quotes, quotes, favorite quotes. Moving on to quotes, we just have to start off obviously because the movie starts off with this. We were somewhere around Barstow near the desert. When the drugs begin to take hold, I think that's that's honestly, a great open liner. I love it. It's it's got to be one of the cl- like the best openers well, of a just movie. Just that whole scene because like on the, my next favorite quote is, ah, "What are these goddamn animals?" Uh, I, I don't remember the rest of the quote, but I do just like that whole scene though too. When he's like, "I didn't tell him about the bats." Poor bastard, will see him soon enough. Like just the whole like any of his descriptions of his drug trips. Like I, I stopped writing him down after a while just because there's too many. But like we some probably should really stop here. This is bad. This country. is bad country. <laughs> and like he's like swatting with the fly swatter that whole time too. It's hilarious. We had two bags of grass, seventy five pellets of mescaline, 
Five sheets of high-powered blotter acid. A salt shaker half full of cocaine. Only half full. Yeah. And a whole multicolor collection. All right, I shouldn't have... I'll just do it again. No, it's the third time I've heard it. Just say it. And a whole multicolored collection of uppers, downers, laughers, and screamers. Also, a quart of tequila, a quart of rum, a case of beer, a pint of raw ether, and a dozen and two dozen aminals. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. And then he goes on about ether and how scared <laughs> he was to doing it. There's nothing more depraved than a man on an ether binge. <laughs> And we were going to get into the bad stuff soon. This is like, okay, this is like a throwaway quote kind of, but it's like that car salesman. I think it's just really funny. Holy smokes. You just backed over a two feet foot concrete abatement. Did you slow down? What were you doing? 45 backwards? <laughs> That's a pretty funny scene too. <laughs> That's uh, why I was trying to put maybe Danny DeVito in like that role too. Just kind of like a car salesman. How are they even getting anything? anything. I, don't, I, I, I don't know. Just fear of getting stabbed by the lawyer. Like this is like the beginning of the movie too, but it's like it was imperative that we made it to the hotel by the deadline. Otherwise, we might have to pay for the bill. <laughs> like that's uh, 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 the whole beginning is maybe my favorite. It's the best part. Well, I mean, it sets the scene for what you're about to see, and then just get, it just falls off the rails. So, like the beginning is like the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't quote anything in the middle. Like, um, <laughs> let me go into my favorite uh, Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. He's pouring beer on <laughs> himself. Well, he, had to, he does have the one awesome part. I can't, like, really finish anyone, but, like, as your lawyer, I advise you to. And then whatever he said. Was, yeah, was as just, your attorney, I advise you to take a hit of this bull right yeah, now. Okay, yeah, man. like, that, like that is, like, just hilarious. Like, any of the times he opens a sentence with that was always funny. Uh, after, the, after their first night there. Two good, bo- two good old boys in a fire apple red convertible. Stoned. Ripped. Twisted. Good people. <laughs> You're doing an okay uh, cadence. Thank you. Can you give me I a... I mean, I guess that's Hunter S. Thompson, be- though. Beautiful fucking tits in that, in that oh, voice. Oh, I totally forgot about that. No, just do the voice. Just like, beautiful, beautiful tits, man. <laughs> Wonderful tits, man. This is like kind of one of the only like uh, real Hunter S. Thompson like uh, inner mo- dialogue... I mean, this is from the book I took, but it, it's also kind of like the main theme of the whole thing. This is thing, the but theme uh, of the actual book. With the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high watermark, the place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. And that's the movie in a nutshell, that's but in completely to... incohesively. Did you guys write down any other like Hunter S. Thompson quotes more so than just like nah, drug rambles? I just left it open. After a while, I, like, I know I missed a lot from the middle and the end, but after a while, just the drug scenes, you kind of like get used to just the cadence of their talking and just the crazy things you're saying. So they don't stick as much kind of, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's there's mo- just so much of it. Most yeah. of them happen in between like waking up from, it's like a reflective wake up quote before he has to figure out what the hell's going on. You could pick anything. There's just, like hundreds of like little nuanced quotes in this movie, but that's not why you tuned into this podcast. So, you know, watch the movie. But for this one Read in particular, the there's going to be a ton we miss. So write in your favorite drug rambling quote. Like a bunny. He's like, he's like trying to drag him off the. Yeah, oh, God. That carousel scene's just, hilarious. Just jump off. I got yeah, the fear, I man. Think... I got the fear, man. But when you come around, just quick like a bunny. And I like how he just eventually kicks him off. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what's also kind of funny? That woman fucks a polar bear. Like, like, did you fuck a polar bear? Like that whole thing. What'd you say money? to me? What'd you say to me? But uh, we're definitely going to miss some of the funny drug rambling quotes in the delivery. So for this one, make sure you write us in at cultclassicspodcast, gmail.com, or hit us up on social media. And uh, let us know what you guys love about this movie, quote-wise.
Mount Rushmore, a top four category of anything kind of related to the movie. This week, I'm doing my favorite Johnny Depp movies. This isn't necessarily his best movies, but just my favorites. Uh, I'm starting from the bottom. Depp, uh, Depp, Depp, from the depths. And it's Corpse Bride. It's the Tim Burton claymation movie. It's uh, it's not even really physically starring him. but And it's not even that he brings a lot to the role. I just like the movie a lot. Sleepy Hollow, number two, also Tim Burton. Keeping it, well, number three, technically. You're going to see a reoccurring theme on these. I mean, what, is it Tim Burton? It's Tim Burton's guy. Now, with number three, I would say it's his biggest hit. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. The first one's really good. number two. That is my number two. Correct. I'm reading from I can't disagree up. with that. I really like the first one. It's like, oh, great. Like it's good. Swashbuckler. It's good. It's a good movie. Um, number one, I think Jordan agree with this. It's Finding Neverland. It's the depiction of uh, the creation of Peter Pan. It's a good go-to-bed movie, but it's also just a good movie. It's got a nice mix of whimsical, gray, gray skies, good performances. British. It's British is what you're telling me. Um, you missed off some big ones. You missed off Chocolat. Well, here, my honorable mentions, I have Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Blow, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and Chocolat. I got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of chocolate. I'm sorry. Uh, I am a big fan of Chocolat. Uh, I'm not a big fan of... Well, I do have a big animosity that he's depicted as a romantic movie, and he's not really in it much, and it's more a mother-daughter story. Uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape is a pretty good one. It has to be on the list. Um, Edward Scissorhands has to be on the list. Oh, I also put Edward Scissorhands on the honorable mentions, but I also have another list, which is my honorable mentions, and it's Alice in Wonderland and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I call the just two weird movies. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is just, like, ridiculous. Um... I would also put on their rear window, kind of a sneaky one. Oh, you wait, rear. Sorry, uh, secret window. Secret window. Yeah, that one's okay. I mean, it's not great. I think some people really like the what's the from hell or whatever that one. Oh, is. from hell. Yeah, I thought of, uh, that's not my jam, but I know yeah, people like. I that like it all right, bit. but it's not my favorite. I like Sleepy Hollow better, and I think those are kind of closely related. Yeah, I would go Sleepy Hollow over that. I like your list. I might actually put. Number one, hmm. feels weird to put Pirates of Caribbean above. Yeah, I know that's why I didn't, but it is the bigger movie. But yeah, yeah well, that's it's my list. Role. Um, I um, it's a solid list, good list. Thanks, man. What do you got this week? I would. I'm doing books that are depicted from autobiographical or semi-autobiographical work. Number four, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's a slow burn. It might grow on me. Probably not. Number three, Sea Biscuit. I'll stand by that movie. It's beautiful. The costume, the set decoration. You've had your acting, time on Seabiscuit. We good. get it. Check it out out there if you like a good, nice, boring movie. Uh, number two, Goodfellas. It's my favorite Scorsese movie. It's probably not going to change, although I do like other ones. Number one, it's Catch Me If You Can. It's not even close. I love this movie. It's based on the tales of Frank Abagnale Jr. Where are you going? Going someplace exciting? Just want to know where you're going. Exotic. There's a cup of mice in a bowl of cream. <laughs> I've been to... I like that that's your go-to walk and quote always. You're not a cop. What about you? You told me you're not a cop. (laughs) I like how we're quoting just the whole movie is just uh, walk and quotes. (laughs) Uh, That's my list. I may have missed something. That's a fine list. I mean, it was a very narrow category in the end because the autobiographical. But uh, Well, if I just did books adapted, movies from adapted from books... 
Jesus Christ. Much. I can't fit all the Harry Potters on here. All right, my category is movies set in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Uh, let's start with the Ocean's Eleven, just the Ocean's movies. Ooh, I like that. I might put that pretty high on my list. Would have been on my Love list a good sure. heist. It's got heist. It's got Vegas. It's got Brad Pitt, Matt Damon. It's got the George stars. Clinton. It's got glitz and glamours and stars as well. I'm going to go Chevy Chase Vegas Vacation. I was wondering if that make the list. I mean, it, it, it's a big Might have Vegas been my movie. number four. I, I think I would have maybe switched. Well, yeah, definitely on the list. My number three, Fear and Loathing. Oh, it made the list. It made, on it the, made list. the list. I mean, it's all about just being fucked my up My number in one, Vegas, 21. Ooh. I, I would, the Hangover. You got to put The Hangover I'd in there. I'd put The Hangover in there. Swingers. Swingers probably on there. Um, Even though it's like, that, yeah. Place in Vegas? Well, they have the big Vegas baby, and they go to it. So they have like a couple scenes, but it's not the whole movie. But it's a, it's a, it's a big scene, you know. So yeah, um, I don't know how I feel about Swingers enough to put it up there. What about a sneaky uh, Austin Powers? Uh, yeah, I mean it's not all in Vegas. It's not though. all in Vegas, but like the last half of the movie. Well, uh, we hope everyone liked our take on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, if you guys had any other quotes, recasting, make sure you write us in. And also, most importantly, if you have any movie requests, hit us up on social media, or you can write us in at cultclassicspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, social media, Pinterest. all the good ones. Also, if you like what you hear, make sure you like and subscribe and tell your friends and get us higher up on those lists. Ooh, yeah. Give us some ratings, hopefully five stars, and write some positive reviews. And if you want to write negative reviews, just don't. Yeah, no. That's not even for us. Just for everything. Unless it's like a really bad tour guide. That's helpful. <laughs> Let somebody learn our podcast is bad the hard way. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll check you next week. We have 10 seconds left in the podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.